Rough Trade are giving away a free album exclusively to 101 part-time jobs listeners. That's you. Become a member of Rough Trade Club New Music and you'll receive the Rough Trade album of the month straight to your door every month on an exclusive vinyl pressing with exclusive bonus material. Club members have received exclusive pressings of albums from Sufjan Stevens, Sprints, The Last Dinner Party and Over Mono, just to name a few, this past year alone. Sign up using the promo code 101POD this March and you'll get the Rough Trade Album of the Month exclusive pressing of Masterpiece's debut, How to Make a Masterpiece, on green and yellow swell vinyl, completely free of charge. You'll also get free shipping on all orders, 10% off at the bar and on secondhand vinyl in store, and exclusive access to sold out Rough Trade events. Don't want Album of the Month, but still want all the benefits? Sign up to the standard tier using 101Pod and you'll still get the first month free. So don't hang around. This offer is only available in March and limited to the first 150 signups. Go to roughtrade.com club and sign up with the voucher code 101Pod. That's 101POD and claim your first month free. This offer is available to UK residents only. Do you play in bands? I did for the longest time. And I wish that I knew that DistroKid was a thing. I don't even think it existed back then. DistroKid makes music distribution fun and easy with unlimited uploads. And artists keep 100% of your royalties and earnings. A million plus artists rely on DistroKid to get their music on Spotify, Apple, YouTube, TikTok, Tidal, Instagram, and all the major streaming services. When you get DistroKid, you can see a DistroKid bank and withdraw your earnings. You get notified when you've earned royalties and you can withdraw via the app. And you can even check your streaming stats on Spotify and Apple. Get 30% off your first year on DistroKid by going to distrokid.com slash VIP slash 101pod. 30% off for your first year. That's not bad. We know it's a tough world out there. Why don't you make it easier for yourself? And to get 30% off that free year as an artist where you get 100% of your royalties and earnings, go to distrokid.com slash VIP slash 101pod. All right, stay with me. I'll be right back after this. With Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Aren't you always so scared? Playing gigs for 50 quid. You don't need someone telling you what to do. Just wanna keep up the vibe, boom. Have your own wild part-time jobs. One hundred wild part-time jobs. Hello. You're listening to 101 Part-Time Jobs. It's the podcast where bands and artists tell me about the various and precarious part-time jobs they've had over the years. 
And on today's episode is the suitably named Benefits, recently announced as new signees to Invader Records, run by Jeff Barrow from Portishead, who have released records by some brilliant artists like Billy Nomates and Nick Haven Warren Ellis, among many others. Benefit's debut album, Nails, is out on the 21st of April. If you haven't heard that first single, Warhorse, playing quietly beneath this here, I recommend you pause this, go search Benefit's Warhorse, and then come back where you left off. It's excellent, it's slightly terrifying, and Kingsley Hall has a real way of delivering. Cheers for listening to 101 Part-Time Jobs, supported by 2000 Trees Festival, which is an ace independent festival for punk, rock, and some metal. Bob Villain, Rival Schools, American Football, The Chisel, Kneecap, and Black Honey are just a few of the bands playing this July down in Cheltenham, just a few hours away from London on the train. If you'd like to go but haven't got your ticket yet, it's in early July. If you go on to 2000trees.co.uk, you can get 20 quid off by using the voucher code 101POD. That's 20 quid off using the voucher 101POD at 2000trees.co.uk. All right, here's Kingsley Hall of Benefits speaking to me from his home and studio in Teesside, North East England, which is where this conversation starts. Go well. Cheers. Do not beg, do not bow, do not curtsy. And this means The logistics and the management and the just just how these things work just isn't that well known up here. So at a certain I know certain things, you know, I can get us a gig, I can I can get us I can do as DIY tours like forever. And that that's brilliant. And I love that side of stuff. I love booking gigs. But the rest of it, clueless. You know, we haven't got a history of it. I can't even rent a hire van for the band without traveling 50 miles. There's no infrastructure here. You know, there's right. practice rooms. We go and, because our drummer, Kat, lives up in Glasgow, we go and practice up there with her. So we go to um, a great studio up there. Um, but it's just a practice room. It's, not, it's nothing fancy. It's just a room, a practice room, series of practice rooms. Whereas down here... It just doesn't exist. There's like one decent practice room in the in the whole of the area. The the infrastructure just isn't there. So at some point we have to admit that we don't we don't know what we're doing. If we want to f- go further with this, we have to ask for help. So that's um, when Jeff Jeff from Invader, you know Jeff from Porter said when yeah, he amazing. he started liking a few tweets. I was like, oh okay, this is interesting. Um, and he started like. We started having little conversations on 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 Twitter, and um, so we organised a gig down in Bristol <clears throat> with the sole purpose of him coming to see us. Um, and this was so it was it was right at the end of a tour. <clears throat> pardon me. It was on a Sunday night, and the night before I was in Middlesbrough, so we were home. So that so we had to do effectively an eight-hour commute um, or sixteen-hour commute, really, um, to just to get Jeff to come and see us and like us. And, but it was okay. It, it paid off. It was okay. Um, and he, he was... was that a lot of pressure? Do you remember driving down? I mean, you can't help but sort of have expect not expectations, but maybe expectations of yourself, hopes perhaps, ideas. I mean, we all know Portishead yeah. um, and Invader are, are doing amazing things. Yeah. They they seem quite self sufficient. That's like the the most successful kind of for me you know, kind of punk thing anyone can do in music, no matter what you sonically sound like. I mean, yeah, what, do you remember that drive down? How are you feeling about yeah, it? Yeah, there's absolutely no pressure. We've, we've got a, as I said, we've, um, 
it, I find it amazing to 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 meet these people or to 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 even have some sort of contact with them, like online. So you mentioned like Sleaford Mods originally. I have huge amount of respect for for that band and for Jason in particular. And um, you know, I've seen a few gigs in my life that just shift and change my perspective on what music or what performance is supposed to be. One was a, a guy called R.M. Hubbard, who's um, a, a, an amazing Scottish singer. And he played in a tiny venue in um, Stockton. And he's, he plays sort of flamenco guitar. And it's, it, there's a lot about grief. And um, it's, it's so beautiful. And I saw that. And it, there's a lot of spoken word played over this quite intricate music. And it's, um, it's just phenomenal. And that changed my perspective on how, how to write a song. A song doesn't have to necessarily just be, you know, verse, chorus, middle eight, break, blah, blah, blah. Because um, I think I was, I was very much stuck down a, a traditional indie rock line. And that's, that's kind of just the, 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 the music I was listening to when I was growing up, all that like, you know, mid-2000s, enemy, new rock revolution stuff. And, you know, there's a lot of us about, <laughs> who who grew up on that but like things came along and, and shifted my perspective on that and then Seaford Mods came and played in the Georgian Theatre again in Stockton which is my hometown um, in about 2014 2015 and it just altered my perspective on what a band can do like 100% like a, a full scale turnaround of like what is this this isn't this is the most this is the most punk rock thing I've ever seen in my life. But it's not what, it doesn't have spiky air and it doesn't have daft loud guitars. But it's, it, it's, it's pure punk. It's, it's like, it's, um, it alter, as I said, it altered my perspective on, on how to, what you can do with performance. I'm not going to say how you can perform because I'm, I'm not, we're not trying to rip them off like at all. And I know we'll, we get sort of a few lazy comparisons with that, but come and watch us. It's, it's, not, it's not like that. You know, there might have been a few singles during lockdown or one in particular um, that had hints of of a Sleaford Mods way of um, putting yourself out there. But it was fucking lockdown. We didn't have anything to do, you know. I think the way that I see that um, is that, you know, when something is you know, getting some attention and getting some signal boosts from various journalism outlets or playlists and that like it becomes part of our culture right so when we when we do things like what i feel like what we are or what any of us really are uh, is sort of a reflection of at least a, a, a portion of us is a reflection of what we're surrounded by so if you're a fan of something there's always going to be hints you know there's always going to be call, call it an inspiration or a reflection you know there's you're reflecting what's around you i think that's suppose that's a very powerful thing yeah absolutely and and plus the fact that there were you know you know inverted commas supporters of what we were doing as well so that they, they would um you know they would they would retweet songs that we did or they would they would, they would put out on their twitter saying that is a good new song from benefits etc so and and to be fair yeah we have you know as i said in my diy way of doing things and publicizing the band um i've certainly used those sort of aspects to 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 get us some publicity also to get us um a leg a leg up um and i don't think there's anything wrong with that you know we've had you know it's things like quotes from steve albini or yeah that's amazing um, how did he get to hear elijah elijah wood Right, he's. In, I know Elijah Wood's into that band Death. He's he's got his own label and everything. He's um he's a really interesting Does guy. He? But we did a song 
there was we put a song out um, called Empire, which is just um, shouting and sort of concrete noise, and it's it's all about intensity and impact and things like that. And it, the video was just me sort of walking through a an old industrial estate in Middlesbrough in yeah. in the middle of the night. But he <laughs> um, he really liked it. But it never. But the thing is, it never went any further. You know, it's like it, it, so. These things, right. is, it's nice to play on, and it's nice to get like a nice little headline. And even the Albini thing, he still doesn't follow us on Twitter. You know, it's like he, he doesn't like us that much. He, he, we've got a great quote from him saying that he he fucking loves benefits, and that's great. How did how did Albini hear I it? No idea. I think it was. Um, I don't know because it's the same with um, Pixies, like Black Francis. It was like um, someone texted me. Um, in the middle of the night, or I, see, I saw this text going like, "Black Francis just tweeted about you." I was like, "What are you on about?" And it, it, it's all like, "What are you, what are you talking about?" These these people that like I danced to in indie discos forever, yeah. Yeah. you know, Debaser. Like yeah. they, 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 these 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 songs are just like absolute part of my makeup. And Albini and it's shellac and this this drum sound that like everyone's endlessly tried to to rip. And um, and they're, they're going like, and there's some sort of connection there, and that's amazing. But that, that's yeah. the same. Honestly, it's the same with it, it. You know, we've had this stuff. So you know, Albini, uh, Black Francis, Sleaford Mods, Elijah Wood, uh, Maud Selector, there's various sort of like weird little people. But it's just as impactful to get people who who aren't in that echelon to have to have some sort of connection because the connection that we're trying to make isn't with a rock star at all. The point, I think one of the points of sort of your first question really is, mm. is that it's, um, this isn't about that world. This is about a world that's, um, that's, 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 that's here and now in, in the UK or, you know, in a global sense, maybe, but this, this sort of, um, this dying world, really, this decrepit, knackered, hateful, vengeful, fighting endlessly arguing piece of shit that we've that we found ourselves on um that we've managed to create and um but on the opposite of that as well there's also hope you know i i i, I know that we get this sort of stigma that we're difficult to book with you know we're difficult for people to understand and we're difficult for people to um to want to go and see <laughs> it's not that we're just this angry mess of noise although there's much of that there's a lot of that I'm not going to lie there's a lot of angry mess of noise but the actual point of the band isn't just to get up there and shout about how shit the Tories are and how much of a liar Boris Johnson is although there is a lot of that right the other point of the band is that there's there's hope and there's some sort of um, um, you have a worth and you you can get through all of this you know, halfway through or towards the end of um, the show when we play, I talk about my own anxieties and my own stresses um, because I suffer massively with, um, and this, this does link back to jobs and work weirdly. I suffer a lot from anxiety and stress and I stammer and um, I lack confidence but it's difficult for that to come across when you're stood there in shorts and Reeboks shouting, you know, shouting at the world. So people don't understand. You, you, you still can have this, this frailty 
Um, and and I, the way I get it out and the way I express it when, when we play is that I have to basically admit to everyone that's watching us um, that I'm terrified of them, terrified of each and every single one of them. The, the, the performance thing isn't a natural thing for me. It's not like, as much as I enjoy it, um, it's not something that, you know, it's not something that, that comes easily. So I have to admit that I have this um, fear of the audience and then it sort of eases off. It's a bit like, um, you know, Alcoholics Anonymous where you have to admit that you have a problem before you can move on. So as long as I can admit that I have a problem with performing and um, expressing myself or anxiety, whatever you want to call it, um, I can then move on. And, and that, that's how I deal with it. And, and it's really nice when we do tours um, and shows afterwards I, I, I speak I, I do the merch stand um i'm always up for speaking to whoever wants to speak to me um because it isn't as i said that we try and take the ego out of this whole thing it's not it's not motley crew as much as i would love it to be motley crew it's not motley crew <laughs> um we haven't got the revolving drum kit yet but we will <laughs> and and that that you know that facing your fears element of it i mean does that does that feed into other areas areas of your life? <laughs> yeah, just bang my head. Sorry about that. that I've just faced my fears of this um, this loft conversion. Um, as I said, the, the the anxieties and stresses link into the job aspects. So I was thinking about that. I was having a I was having a shower before I um, did this because I stink. But I um, when I went to work, I worked at a credit card company um, a long time ago. Um, and I remember going there for the interview and then getting inducted. And the induction process of any job, I think, is the, always the most horrific. Um, I hate having to sit in a circle, sitting on those plastic chairs, and the circle goes around and you have to introduce yourself. And the, the, whoever's facilitating that particular meeting, basically, you know, you go around clockwise or anti-clockwise, and you've got to stand up and say your name and what you do and where you come from. And, and I, 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 that my anxieties stem a lot from this sort of stuff. I hate standing up in a room and saying my name because my name is ridiculous. You know, my name is Kingsley. That's my first name. I usually get asked mm -hmm. by people, well, what's your first name? That's, that's, that's my first name. Had that your whole life. Yeah, my surname is Hall, H-A-L-L, right? So it sounds like a community center. It sounds like a building. And that's fine. Yeah. That's okay. But I, I, I did struggle to deal with that quite a lot certainly when I was younger, you know, if I'm, I'm growing up in the eighties and nineties in, in, in Teesside and I'm surrounded by people with perfectly reasonable names like Dave and Pete and Ian and Simon. Right. Mm. And I've got fucking Kingsley, little Lord fucking Fauntleroy there, you know? So it's, um, so I've had every, try and think of any puns or things on it. I've, I've had them. I've had them for a long, long time. It's fine. But yeah, I think a lot of sort of some anxieties probably stem, stem from that. Not all. I think I was just a bit of a shy, nervous, um, nervous kid, to be honest. But doing that, that, that whole induction process, and I remember sitting in that room and, and all the time, that whenever I've done these things on multiple jobs that I've done, and my heart like feels like it's going to bounce out of my chest. I go bright red. I sweat from just one armpit, just the right armpit. But my heart feels like it's going to pound outside of my ribs. It's unbelievable. And my breath like goes, and then I have to stand up and go, oh, my name's Kingsley. And that's what happens. And then, I, and then I calm down a little bit. But yeah, have you worked in a call centre? Uh, yeah, call centre once for a week. And I f actually forget what we were selling, but I was about to go on tour. So I knew I was, I was going to go down. I think the deal was the induction was 250 quid yeah. for the week. Weirdly, with the call centre, 
it was a credit card. It was Bartley card. Um, I eventually made it to be a trainer. I trained people, but I, I'm not sure whether it was because I was particularly good at it or they were just trying to get me off the phones. Because I remember I was um, the number one in all the call centers that Bartley card, Bartley card had um, in the world for giving back late payment fees. So if, if someone phoned up and asked that they wanted, um, they, they just saw their bill and they found out that they wanted to, um, oh, sorry, they, they just saw the bill and they saw 20, an extra 20 quid on there and they'd give me a little sob story as to why, why they were late. I'd just give them it back. Couldn't care less. Not my problem. Great. Not my money. And would that reflect on you? Could you get in trouble if you did that? Well, I, as I said, I was number one. Number one from every single call centre. And not just by a little bit. This was by like, Hundreds and hundreds of thousands of pounds. <laughs> what qualifies someone to be the number one? I was that, just kind. I was nice. And the um, so if, if an old deer like turned up and said, I'm sorry, I was late. My little kitten had, you know, a splinter, whatever. I don't care. It's fine. But, but in the end, they could just phone up and go like, I forgot. And I'd be like, it's fine. It's no problem. Don't worry about it. It's all right. How many people stress and like stress themselves crazy over yeah, money and pay, payment? Yeah. It's awful. Yeah, it is horrible. And it's uh, as I said, I, I've, I, it, with all jobs, you see behind the curtain a bit and you're just a bit like, this is horrible. So this, is the, this was a time of when um, payment protection insurance, if you remember that, with all the credit card companies mm-hmm. and they were, they were wheeling it out to everyone and telling, um, but, but, but when you were working there, you were like incentivized to try and get people to sign up for it. So people were winning holidays, money, cars etc 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 if if they you know if they if they give the right if they give the the, the most amount out if they made the most for it's the so strange, for the country for, for the company sorry so obviously um people just started pinging it on even if they only had the slightest hint of um wanting it so it's it, yeah. was, it was just weird but as um I, f- I find these i've worked at yeah massive massive corporate places like credit card companies i've worked at tiny small um things like the farm the farm doing the cheese that's not a massive operation it was just someone's farm you know making plastic making charms plas- i've got here from making you. plastic charms yeah that's actually quite a big that was a that was a fairly big company that was another factory job um i mean have you ever wondered when you buy oh not when you buy when you're given like a tiny bit of plastic charm memorabilia or like a little key ring have you ever wondered who makes that shit <laughs> have you ever wondered Honestly, who uh, who quality control checks that shit no and it's making me feel like um a little bit disrespectful yeah now that you who, who makes sure that the it's all cut correctly did the, the, these amazing processes the, the machines that we used to oh sorry that i used to um to make this stuff they're you know they're worth hundreds of thousands of pounds this is like it's so ridiculous and and to make these tiny little you know little trinkets with a little manga character on or something like that so do you use like cnc machines i don't know what that means mate i think they're the ones that you can use a computer to design something and then it's almost almost like a 3d printer but not quite you know it like automatically cuts it i honestly no idea no i I was not in that i wasn't i'm not that deep into that I, I knew how to um, <laughs> I knew how to press certain buttons on certain machines and, and transfer things onto another thing and how to put wood on a, a look. 
I'm no Elon Musk, mate. I'm not Stephen Hawking. Well, look, do you ever wonder if like part of what you're doing is being an entrepreneur? <laughs> Wait, yeah, I'm, I'm actually, yeah, I've got boxes of T-shirts and bucket hats. Ready to fly out, they're the, gonna, they're fly gonna fly out the building. Yeah, I'm, I'm my own corporation. All the things that you're doing with benefits, all of those things, you know, even if you have someone doing the job like press or booking gigs or doing the festivals or driving, these are all little jobs, not even little. These are all jobs. These are all uh, cogs in the benefits system. You know, what's and, and you're the person, I mean, tell me if I'm wrong, you're the person who has the overview on all of that. Yeah, in a way, I, th- I think we're more of a we're, we're we're a bit more of a team than that. Than uh, okay, I don't want the the rest of them listening to this. And, <laughs> and, yeah, and find yeah. Out, my but, you're, but you're 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 the person in the photos. You're the you're the person. You know, when you get a Rolling Stone feature, yeah. the photos are gonna it's gonna be a double page spread of 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 Kingsley Hall. Well, maybe not now. The reason why it was 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 that initially was because um, we were in lockdown. And uh, Robbie lives in Newcastle and I live in Middlesbrough. It's a 50 mile difference. So we, we physically couldn't get together. So I would just get my friend who no, lives down the road to, uh, to take some pictures of us. Um, yeah. it's, it's not easy. And, and, and even now it's not easy. As I said, Kat lives in Glasgow. Um, Robbie's in Newcastle. Hugh's just down the road sort of thing. But it's um, just trying to get people together to do, you know, even to do our last pop video. We had to do that the day after we did um, a tour just because it's the only sort of logistical way we can we can fit this stuff in. I don't want people, you know, running around up and down the country trying to trying to do some photo that might be a load of shit. It's just a waste of time. I don't want to waste anyone's time. And and but yeah, so it is it is a team effort. Um but yeah, I I I I tend to hog quite a bit of the um the press and the publicity. I would say that's as a protector. I'm a protector figure. I'm, I'm protecting my friends from the likes of you. <laughs> you're, you're Jon Snow. <laughs> yeah, that's right. But it's... Um, With, you know, yeah. you mentioned, I, I, find, I find it funny that, you know, you say, you say pop video. <laughs> do, you, do you find like doing videos and doing those things that bands just do, is that a, a necessity? Is that like a necessary evil? Is that probably too far yeah. to say? But, you know, do you, do you feel like there are sort of some things you do because you think you might have to? I've done that a lot in my in my life. Is there a certain element of that with being an album campaign and doing some things perhaps because they are expected of you? Or maybe, you know, your PR says, look, this could be good, even if you don't have a great idea that you love for a music video. For example, you know, it could be a photo shoot. It could be a live session. Yeah, they are, they're difficult to do, I'm not going to lie. But we only do things that we enjoy or we, we, we can find some worth in, right? So even if... So making a, a music video is, isn't easy, I think. It's, it's, it's a really difficult thing to do. Um, and I'm not saying we've ever got it right, but the way we want to do it is to only do them if we're going to have a half-decent time. So to do right. this this particular one, the last one, um, yep, I uh, decided to rent a booking Bronco machine because I thought it would be fun. I thought it would be a nice thing to do and it would look cool and it would look um, effective um, in terms of the song and things like that. And I, I, I knew Andy Berryman, the lad who um, who filmed it, I knew he had a really good eye, so got him in and I knew, I knew what he could do. He could. The, the whole point of doing this video was to try and take us up a level of, 
visually um, from from what we were doing before. I wanted it to sort of like go, fucking hell, they're, they're, they've signed to Invader. They, they're really fucking going for it now. They, they look cinematic. What the fuck's going on? This isn't being done on a camera phone. What the fuck? There's a lot you can do with darkness and shadows. And the Bucking Bronco, I think that's a, a great, you know, pretty pan in the face symbol of what it's like to live here. Okay. I've never thought about it like that. I just thought it would be a laugh. <laughs> but the, <laughs> but the, um, but, but un, maybe unwisely because I, I just presumed I rented this Bucking Bronco machine for four, four hours. It cost me a fucking fortune, right? But I, I didn't think that, yeah, we would have to be on it and we would have to get thrown off it and how much it would hurt and how much we'd have to do it over and over and over again. So I foolishly said at one point, I, think, I, I, I was like, I can lip sync this. I can lip sync this. This is fine. This is easy. Obviously not, well, realizing that the song's like three minutes long. So I'd have to be on this fucking machine for three minutes. That's a long time on a bucket. And do it, and do it effectively six or seven times in succession so it was um yeah it wasn't it wasn't the easiest of shoots and I've, I've still got like a fair few bruises and some of my skin scraped off my knees and things like that and then yeah oh, as yeah. i said we had to um we had to all we had well we didn't have to fall off it we got flung off it the guy who was controlling it um obviously he turned up thinking what's all these what's these cameras and lights and shit doing here what's this isn't the hen so he comes with the package yeah yeah oh yeah oh yeah you have, you have to pay for an instruct, um, uh, you know, the guy to control it, a controller, um, a professional, a professional, no less. So he's, um, so he, he turned up thinking, well, this isn't a fucking hen party. What the fuck? So he, he's, um, he's controlling, but he, we haven't briefed him. We didn't tell him that, you know, we, we we're doing this for four hours and it's going to, you know, we're trying to make a video or he didn't maybe understand it. So he's still flinging us off. He's still spinning it around and flinging us off. And I think we, we were only on it for like four seconds each at the start of it before we were flung off. And I, I had to go over him and say, look, we're, we're trying to make this look good. Um, so you're going to have to let us stay on it for a bit longer. So he slowed the little, he slowed it down slightly. It still looks cool, but it was, um, I think it, looks it was hard. It was really hard. But yeah, as I said, but the, the, the premise behind it was, how do I make a day of this enjoyable for everyone? How how can I make this like the least the least worst option? Because I've I've done I've done a music video like years ago where I'd stand in a, a tube station in Shoreditch in the middle of the night. You know, it's just like what the fuck's why why what's what's what yeah. does that have to do with me? Like nothing. Yeah. Hate the place. Yeah. Yeah. And I'm not from down yeah. there. It's pointless. But I had to stand there in like a, in a long sort of Joy Division court and like look moody. <laughs> and it's just like fucking stupid. Hello, it is Ryan. And I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on Chumbacasino.com. I looked over the person sitting next to me and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's ChumbaCasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. we prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. What do Part-time jobs. What Part-time jobs. What Part-time jobs. Part-time jobs. And I used to work in an art gallery for a bit, telling people not to touch, touch 
stuff. I worked as a hotel porter in a four-star hotel. I've served Jason Donovan cheese, cheese and onion sandwiches. Um, I've, I've got a hernia from lifting a Barbara Hepworth sculpture. Um, and I worked on the bins during the pandemic um, with some of the most amazing people um, I've ever met in my life. And I got myself Brilliant. fitter than I've ever been in my life. Um, really? Oh, yeah. God, I, t- I treated going on the bins as, um, as a fitness exercise. It was unreal. Like, don't get me wrong. You, you, not everyone treats it like that. I was, I was sat next to people who would open the first can at 6.30 in the morning and continue going through all the way through the day and just get drunk all the way through. But I was running from bin to bin. I had legs like fucking Cristiano Ronaldo. I'd lost about two stone. It was unbelievable. Um, I'd, I'd definitely go back and do it if I didn't. Um, well, I don't know. It's, it's hard. It is a hard job. I met, as I said, I met some unbelievable people. I met the, the people that you would fully expect to meet. But I also met some people that you wouldn't expect to meet as well. It was it was incredible. I, I saw this place I live, this northeast, this weird other otherness of this area from the rest of the UK. I saw the whole of of the town I live in. So I saw the most affluent areas I've ever seen in my life. Million multi millionaires, like this huge wealth up here um, for some people. But then I've, on the flip side of that, I saw areas where there was just crippling poverty, like unbelievable poverty. Um, little children like um, in half burned out houses with hands up against windows right? people living in knackered caravans outside of um, half destroyed houses and it's, it's, there's a whole side of this country that people either don't want to see or um, just hide just cover up just put it put it put it to one side and we're all you know we're, we're obsessed with seeing these new fancy things like fucking hipster bars or um a, a lovely new shopping center or or a french cafe bar or something something with a lovely beautiful frontage or or some nice plants hanging down we love that shit and that's fine people can love that shit but we've got we've got to acknowledge that there's this this thing slipping through the cracks and it makes me like it makes me mad that we we don't and so seeing this stuff with my you know i knew it was there but like actually going to it and, and going literally going through their bins to see this stuff was was an unbelievable experience um, and one I'll really never forget. It, it, there's, there's a place in in Stockton where, where, as I said, where I was born, a place called Norton, which on one side of the street, multi-millionaires live, multi-millionaires. Like the, the, one of the Dragons Den guys used to live there. These 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 big sort of old Victorian houses. Literally 50 or 40, 30 meters away on the other side of the road, just over the, past the French cafe bar, blah, 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 right? Just on the other side is, 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 is an area of abject poverty. It's one of the, the biggest differences of wealth in the country. And it's insane. But that wasn't the worst of it. The, you know, I was, I was seeing these houses with 15, 20 foot brick walls around them, ones that had helicopter pads. And then I'm seeing a, 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 you know, a young toddler putting the hands up against the window and the, 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 the window's covered in condensation. I'm pushing a bin past it and I can't help them. Can't do a thing. It's absolutely insane. But I don't know, it's, it's, it's hard. Um, but yeah, as I said, there was that job, there was art gallery jobs, there's all sorts of other, but, but make no mistake, like my desire for every single manager or boss that's either sacked me or told me off for my attitude or said I was um, doing the bare minimum in a less than £10 an hour job, right? my desire for them to lose everything that they've ever worked for <laughs> is, is very strong. <laughs> you know, it's, it's like with the, um, 
these factory jobs, right, and bin jobs. When when government, whatever party, don't give a fuck, when they come out and say there's new jobs coming, don't worry about it, we've got loads of jobs here, come on, everyone get a fucking job, stop, get up off your ass, get a job, call me fucking there, have your one shower a day, get a job, shut up, wear your, wear your suit, get a job. Those jobs are the jobs I've been doing, right? They're the factory jobs, they're the bin jobs, they're hard, right? They're the £10 an hour jobs and they're hard. And But, but they see them as an easy solution. They see them as like, this is, this is how we can get people working. This is fine. We get people working and that's fine. Just do them, right? If you're going to go on about them, I would love to see a politician, a local politician, a national politician, whoever, just do it. Go and do it. Don't go in there wearing it. We, we have a lot of politicians in this area who go around wearing high-vis vests, right? Photo opportunities. Look at, look at what we're doing. Look at this fucking building site. I want to see them doing something more. I want to see them doing that fucking job. Try it. Do it for a month. Don't just turn up for an afternoon and drive a fucking bulldozer through a wall that says Brexit, dickhead. Like, go and do, go and sit in that factory. <clears throat> you won't feel the same feelings. If you're on a factory line doing quality control and you're endlessly taking out, I don't know, endlessly checking these things, and that's all you do, 10 hours a day, your brain goes to places that you'd never believe. And you, you can say, oh, it's easy. It's a, you're getting paid for next to nothing. It's fine. But it's not the, the actual action. It's not the work that's hard. It's the mental strain. And when I've been doing factory work, I've never, I've, I've, my mental health has never suffered more than doing, doing these jobs. You go into another realm, right? And I, I have every, every, every bit of respect for anyone who works these jobs. I don't give a fuck if if people you know have this stereotypical view of of, of who these people are and what they do, or, or how educated or how uneducated they are. I don't give a fuck. Try it. Do it. Do that job. See how fucking clever you are. Then it's not easy. So yeah, yeah. Kingsley, thanks so much. <laughs> this is this is great. You know, it's always tough kind of winding down these conversations because you know there's a lot to say on it. I suppose is what I'm trying to get at. Yeah. It. Let's let's end on, you know, I, I've always been someone to smash glasses when I was working behind the bar. I'd always fuck things up. I would always like say I could do something when I didn't know how and then break it and then cause my boss some pain and some fiscal, you know, loss. I wonder, you know, have you got any got any good work gaff stories i think also part of the reason why i like asking people this is that we live in such a linkedin i've said this before but we lived in we live in a linkedin generation where you know i'm not sure how much you use linkedin but across my feed is all these people with their micro success stories you know i'm the best i'm the best person at my job i'm the only person that can do my job you know i like to have a little bit of uh, a little bit of um humility and understanding and empathy i think and, and and for me a source of that is fucking things up sometimes uh i think where there's empathy there's humor yeah. I, you know when, when i say that where uh what have you have you had any moments uh any any work gaffes any work fails well i certainly um don't think that i'm that person who <laughs> is the um you know, this is, I'm the best person at this job and this, this is all, this is, this is my calling and things like that. Um, but saying that off the top of my head, no, I can't think of anything that I've done that's disastrously wrong. I know of things that have happened in my, um, when I've been there. So I may have had some sort of involvement in it. Um, as I said, I did work in a modern art gallery at, um, 
um, for quite a number of years on a zero hours contract. Hooray. Um, and we did hoover up um, an art piece. And we did also smash um, something that was um, about 50 years old and worth about 500,000 pounds. Fucking hell. Yeah. Whoa, that first art piece, was it sand? It was sand, yeah. It just looked, it was beautiful. It was really nice. It, it looked, it was sort of like, a, it was like a carpet pattern made out of sand. Um, and it looked amazing. But, you know, it also looked a bit like it was just sand on the floor. So, yeah, we, we had a few. How did they transport it? It wasn't on a plinth. It wasn't in no, a. No, no, the, the artist had to construct it in place, young man. So it was. Um, and it was on the floor. Yeah, it was just on the floor. You could have walked through it. Yeah. I mean, you could. I mean, yeah, but it. to be fair, that, that was my job. You know, my job was to tell people not to touch, not to walk through this stuff. But I gladly let one of the cleaners just hoover the fucker up. So it's like, fine. It's no problem. <laughs> And with the five hundred thousand pounds yeah. piece of artwork, what? How do you reconcile that uh, day? A bad day at the office. Yeah, you just. I'm sure it's insured. It's no problem. It's not my problem. It's a piece of shit anyway. It's just some neon crap. Old shit. Great, Kingsley. Thanks so much for being up for this, no and you know, congratulations on the album announcement. Oh, cheers, man! Thanks for asking me. Come on. It's out on the 21st of April, which is fucking round the corner. It's not far really. away, yeah. I, I need to get um, publicising to make sure people buy the fucker. And you're great on Twitter. You were, you know, you were, you already had like your voice. You already had your, from my, from my, where I was standing, you know, you had your voice. You know, you, you, you're angry. You're kind of funny. There was this, this, there was, the, you know, there was a, there was a good personality there. Did it take you a little while to? find that personality nope. you know and, and find that twitter being the format to do it on the media yeah this is this is the thing though so no it, it didn't take long at all it's um i find the only way i can get through it is to is to not fake it is to try and just be as honest as possible so i would i would i would sort of certainly before we did our first tours after lockdown i was just asking for advice left right and center i was like how the fuck do we do this and i'm gonna have to do it again with we're doing some shows in europe so I'm going to have to ask again. It, 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 the point of it is, it's like, we don't know that many answers, but if we can do it in sort of like a, a funny or humble way, um, we just have to be representations of ourselves. But it's just an easy, it's, it's just an easy way for me to, um, to express myself. Um, where I, which is why we were pro probably pretty successful on that. Whereas these other formats, say Facebook, Spotify, um, instagram it, it's stuff that i'm just not not that interested in so that that interest doesn't come through and that that enthusiasm for it doesn't come through i'm trying i'm trying my best with it um i'm trying to find ways of making it it's all about trying to find ways of making it um comfortable for yourself um and if you can do that then then it's fine as i said twitter's twitter's unbelievable it's helped us in in so many ways as i said it's um getting access to a pop star that might like our music just goes out there Sleaford Mods retweet it so Black Francis sees it so Steve Albini sees it so Elijah Wood sees it it's that weird little line whereas before yeah. I said this is like 15 years ago maybe when I was in a band the way it would work would be and this is how it, exactly how it worked we we got a gig in London and we were bottom of the bill on an art rocker night art rocker magazine if you remember that so we were bottom of the bill. Some reviewer came along and 
reviewed that band more than he reviewed the headline band. Um, that review got picked up by um, someone at NME who came and watched us do a show in Newcastle who reviewed us in NME. Um, that that review in NME, which was in print at the time, which is just brilliant, bring that back, that got picked up by some people down in London who wanted to manage us. So we went back and played at Brixton Windmill. They came and watched us there, um, got management. And then we got, you know, we, there was a leap to getting yeah. a, a record label from that. So that that was ha- kind of how yeah. it worked back then. Whereas now it's just like someone from a pop band retweets you. And then all of a sudden you've got like another 3,000 views on you your YouTube and then someone takes notice and Jeff from Portishead looks and goes, who the fuck are these? And that's it. Brilliant. Kingsley, thanks so much. I really appreciate your time. That's right. Thank you very much too. So there was Kingsley Hall here on 101 Part-Time Jobs. Cheers for listening as always and see you later on this week with an episode with Greg Atanito of The Bouncing Souls, a personal hero of mine. But before then, I'm going to try something for the first time. I used to write a column in the Eye newspaper about new music. It ended last December, but I'm going to bring it onto 101 part-time jobs and I'm going to do those on Wednesdays. So tomorrow's going to be the first one of them. Not sure I'm going to write about yet, but it's just going to be all kinds of stuff that I'm enjoying. They're going to be mini-sodes, probably five minutes, ten minutes long. Starting that tomorrow. If there's something that you're listening to that's really good, do send it over. You can find 101 part-time jobs on Twitter or Instagram. Let me know the new stuff that you're listening to for inclusion in the playlist and we can enjoy it together. That's the meaning of this. Cheers and see you for the playlist, the first mini-sode tomorrow. Here's Cox Barra. I've been working all day for me, mate, on the side. This is a Mighty Moon Media Podcast.